So for me, like for a long time after, like any kind of conflict with a man was just like hugely triggering because my experience was this will lead to someone saying these awful things to you. Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. Sometimes you have to go through the darkness to reach the light. That's what I did. After 12 years of recovery in sex and love addiction, I finally found my soulmate, myself. Please join me in my novel, Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict, a four-time bestseller on Amazon. It's a brutal, honest, raw, gnarly ride, but hilarious at the same time. Check it out now on Amazon. Welcome to See Your Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis-Gant. Today, I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about what people are hiding from themselves or others. You know, those deep, dark secrets you probably want to take to your grave or those lighter, funnier secrets that are just plain embarrassing. Really the how, what, when, where, and why of it all. Today, my guest is Alexandra. Now, Alexandra, I have a question for you. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> what is your secret? So my secret is that when I was married, I was suffering verbal abuse silently within my marriage. And I didn't tell anyone. And it was my secret to hold. Oh, my God. How long did that go on for? Uh, I would say the extent of the marriage. And the marriage wasn't very long. I was married for about a year, I guess, that we were like together, living together. We, the marriage continued, like we didn't get a divorce right away, uh-huh. but we were together for about a year and it went on throughout kind of the whole time. How long were you guys together though, before you got married, like in, in, together? We were together for probably before the marriage. I think it was six or seven years. Oh, wow. So yeah. you waited. Yeah. And we, well, we started dating when we were, I think we were like 23, 22, 23. So young. Yeah. And then, yeah, we just kind of dated. We lived together. Like we even lived together for three years before Mm -hmm. we got married. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And then, and then we got married and then it started happening. So it was crazy. (laughs) You know, that's so fascinating because I thought, honestly, you were going to say after you said that, that you guys were together for like six months and then you got together and got married. And I was like, oh, did you not know the person, you know, because I feel like a lot of people rush into things, not knowing, but you knew the person. Yeah. And the thing with what I experienced, he could be that way with say friends Mm -hmm. or even family members, but he never did it to me. So in my young, immature, naive brain, I thought, well, he's not doing it to me. So it's okay. Well, it's never okay. And that would be like one thing I would say to any man or woman, because it can happen to anyone. Yes. What they do to other people or what they say to other people And in my context, a man, so like what a man does to other people or women, he will do to you in your marriage, even if he's not doing it before when you're dating, it will eventually, you will become the target. That's what I give me. Can you give me some examples? Because I know people are listening out there and even if they're experiencing, there's something about we downplay it to ourselves because we don't want to believe that is happening. 
Oh, for sure. So when it was happening, like throughout my life, I, nobody had spoken to me like that or treated me like that ever. Mm -hmm. So when it started to happen that way, it just felt so like foreign. I didn't know how to make sense of it. So again, yeah, I just kind of like downplayed it in my mind, but it was things like, it was subtle things like subtle, like sarcastic jabs or like passive aggressive comments. Um, but it could also be really overt things like with him, like, you know, like being called a bitch or being told like there's something inherently wrong with you. And so it's like these, you know, we sometimes say these things very like loosely, I guess, but mm-hmm. like when it's targeted at you from the person that's supposed to love you the most, it's so unsettling and it like just unsettles your idea about you like yourself. Yeah. So yeah. And and, and it was just like, you know, and I, it would come when there was a conflict in the relationship and he was in a place of stress and that's how he dealt with it. I understand. But so for me, like for a long time after, like any kind of conflict with a man was just like hugely triggering because my experience was this will lead to someone saying these awful things to you. Yeah, because you guys were together for six years and you saw him call like other people bitches or talk bad about um, other people yeah. in his life or coworkers or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be like, it could be say, I had seen it, he would talk about not my female friends necessarily, but like female sometimes that were strong willed. Mm. And he would say, call them a bitch. And at the time, like I said, like, it's not okay. It's never okay to use that language towards anybody, especially women. But I just, like I said, I was young. I was naive. I was in love. And I kind of was like, oh, well, like, you know, he doesn't mean it. Like, it's probably, he doesn't actually believe it. But now looking back, he probably <laughs> did. And, and yeah, and eventually I became the target. So why do you think that happened? Because you were finally completely committed to him and like the marriage. Do you even remember the first time it happened? Sort of like, okay. I, I kind of do like there. Yes, actually I do. It was about, I think three months in mm-hmm. and I can't remember the specific incident. It's crazy. I can remember because it led to trauma. I can very much remember how I felt and like I can relive moments of the moment but I can't remember all the details which is kind of interesting not really Um, because we black it out when there's trauma or PTSD when there's like a bad breakup or bad toxic relationship that creates trauma in our body and we cut off some of our memory to make it easier for our psyche to handle yeah so (laughs) yeah (laughs) three months in and yeah it's so like I said, it's just, is so foreign. It's just like all of a sudden it's like being hit without being hit. And then yeah. you have this invisible wound, but no bruises to show for it. That's how I kind of look at it. Yeah. And then, so it kept happening. And then eventually when we did split up, I had so much trauma and I just thought it was from the end of my marriage because it was quite sudden, so yeah. the, which was very, it was traumatic itself, but there was so much trauma for years. That was just about the verbal abuse and it, I didn't realize that actually till like a year ago when I was having, I would have sometimes conflicts with my partner, which we do like in a relationship, we have conflict and I would have these massive overreactions over like hysterical, <laughs> historical, hysterical, <laughs> yeah. historical, yeah. <laughs> classic, like trauma reactions. Like I would need to go to like an enclosed space. Like I would like close the bathroom door, like, mm-hmm. like trying to, like I would, um, flee, like get a, um, fight, flight, or fight or flight. Would, 
Fight or flight. Yes. <laughs> I would fly. <laughs> too I did too. I always ran to the yeah. bathroom and shut the door whenever I was in conflict. Yeah. And then, and then it would get to the point. Also, sometimes I would fight. Like I would just like react extreme. And then I just sat in that and with therapy too, I was like, what, why am I reacting? And it was, I realized like I still had a lot of trauma to work through. Mm-hmm. And my trigger, like I said, was a conflict with any man because with my ex, I would either be called that or I would just avoid conflict altogether to avoid kind of that aggression think, coming at you. Yeah. And for him, he dealt with stress, like I said, and anxiety mm-hmm. and anger by like lashing out. So, I mean, I'm not saying it's okay, but it helped me understand the whole experience, I guess. Does his, do you know if his parents fight like that or he was raised? Well, his story, his dad wasn't around. And mm. I think he, I'm not sure, you know, growing up how his family relationship was, but yeah. I would imagine he thought somewhere that it yeah. like, it became okay. Or, or he it went became normalized. Yeah. Yeah. And in his life too, because like I said, I would sometimes see it with friends or, or whoever and people kind of, they didn't expect it from them, but they just were like, Oh, that's just like him. Like, it's okay. Like it's just him. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes with people that have damaging behaviors or toxic behaviors or abusive behaviors, there's not enough people that say it's not okay. No, usually it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. I think when you just said earlier, and I want to go back to it, that it was like getting punched, but you don't see the bruise. And that's what I always say, like those toxic behaviors, those toxic relationships, when they're not physical, not that either is worse than the other, but it's like a million little cuts that you don't see that you're like killing yourself with, like someone's doing these little cuts all over you and you're bleeding out and you have, you have no idea and you can't see it. hundred percent. And like, I'm a big reader. I try mm-hmm. to make sense by reading things. And after our relationship ended, I read this book, I think it's called the verbally abusive relationship by Patricia Evans, I believe. Okay. That's the title. And she listed off all these different ways someone can be verbally abusive. And some of it's like that outright, like swearing at you, that kind of thing. But it's like little stuff like, yeah, like sarcastic comments about any kind of aspirations you have or passive aggression or stonewalling, gaslighting, gaslighting, like it's all kind of part of that. Mm -hmm. And I realized like he didn't check off all the boxes, but there was quite like it was it was a lot more than I even realized myself. Yeah. And when I actually sat down and I, I remember one day I, after I wrote in my journal, like everything I could remember, all the different things he had said and all. And I couldn't believe the list that I had compiled because I think in the moment when it was happening, I just tried to not black it out, but like forget it real fast. So yeah. that it didn't sit with. Yeah. And so, so the, the secret, I guess I didn't tell anybody till after because I was really ashamed so I think, and I think this is for like a lot of abuse survivors, whether it's physical or emotional or, or financial or verbal, we feel shame because we, we actively, I guess, like chose this relationship. We've, mm-hmm. we've got along with it. And even though someone's treating us badly, we continue to stay. Yeah. And so there's like shame that you're continuing to stay because abuse isn't black and white. Like this person that's doing these awful things when you're in abuse being abused, you don't look at them as like a monster. You look at like their behavior. Like this is like, that's and you make excuses. 
too. Yeah. And you, oh, he had a bad day at work. He lost his job. We didn't, couldn't pay that bill. Like you always make excuses. And then you try to t- turn towards the moments. Oh, but he was so loving the day before, or he yeah. bought me that sweater or something. Yeah. And it's even funny. I mean, I realized in this episode, I even made an excuse. I was like, when he was stressed, he would do this, which is kind of an excuse because it's never. Yeah. You said it three times, just so you know, she said it three (laughs) times. You're still trying to justify the abuse. And you're like, I know, I understand he's probably going through a lot. And it's like, no, no, like being a dick. So that's funny. Like I'm even past it. I realized what he did and that it was wrong and that I'm still sitting here making excuses. Uh, so I think we, you feel shame or at least I did because, well, first of all, if you tell people, if you start telling people, they're going to tell you to leave, they're going to right away say leave. And maybe you're not in a position to leave, whether it's like kids or whatever. And financial or, or yeah. Or, you're just like not ready to throw in the towel or something. I don't or know. love addict. There's a lot of people that stay in those relationships because yeah. they're addicted to that person. Yeah. And for me, I, well, I was raised in like a Catholic family. So I had okay. that playing. We were married. And so, and I was also, I wasn't super young, but I was like 29, which is youngish, you know, in the marriage spectrum, I wasn't 50 or anything. Yeah. So I, <laughs> So I also felt like I couldn't leave because I just sort of gotten married and I felt like I was young to be going through a divorce. And there was a lot of shame with like a divorce itself. So, and, and I felt so shame that I was, that someone was treating me like this and I let it be okay, sort of, because I didn't leave. Yeah. But here's the thing. And I also, is it because you were just married too? Cause it happened pretty quick. I mean, usually it like doesn't happen so fast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of crazy. Yeah. Because I remember someone that was in a bad relationship and they just got married and she's like, we just spent all this money on the wedding. And I was like, who cares? You know, yeah. but <laughs> it's hard to tell someone when they're, you know, wanting something to work so badly. Well, yeah. And like I mentioned earlier, we had been together for six or seven years, lived together for three years. And so like people, exactly. They'd be like, didn't you know? Like, how could you not know? And even my mom asked me that, like, how could you not know? And it was like, well, yeah, I saw the signs, but I was never the victim. I was never the target until yeah. we got married. And then it's like, yeah, like you said, it happened so fast. So I felt like, how could I like, I, <laughs> could I get married and then just split up so fast. I would feel so embarrassed about it. Yeah. Even though you're right. Like who cares now? Yeah. I don't care. Like yeah. if I ever am in that relationship again, I will leave like this, but like at the time. But you're right. You can't tell people to leave because I work with a lot of people and I can't ever tell them to leave. I can say, I suggest this. This is what should be. This is how you should talk, you know, but you can't make someone leave a bad situation. You just can't. And sometimes I think you're also so connected to that person. And so you protect them. You still, that's the big thing with abuse too. We protect our abusers. And so you know, someone saying you should just leave sometimes feels like a bit of an attack, even though you're not, you're trying to help. And like, you're trying to tell them like, no, you need to go. But yeah, I think, yeah, if you're suffering it at the time, it can feel, and then you can just turn into the relationship more because you're like, Oh no, yeah. Cause I'm you're like, stick it out. yeah, you stick it out. And then you kind of start blocking out other people and just trying to focus, like fixing this relationship, which you can't fix the person. Right. Did you do that? Yeah towards like the end or anything? Not like, I think because I hadn't experienced abuse in my life, like I was raised by a, 
I mean, relatively health, like healthy parents. <laughs> and my friends, like we're all very healthy for the most part. In the oh, way come on, <laughs> come on, please. Okay. I believe everybody has some sort of ism. Everybody goes someplace where yeah, they don't want to feel their feelings. That's true. I mean, that's true. Yes. Don't believe but, her. <laughs> Everybody's got problems. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's true. But I guess <sighs> I, I just had never been abused, I guess. Right. So I just didn't have that like understanding. Mm-hmm. So when it was happening, it was just so foreign and it was yeah. just, it felt so extreme. So for me, instead of like trying to fix him, like I weathered it for a while mm-hmm. and I thought in my head, maybe this will change. Like I didn't do anything on my end to change him, I guess. I just thought maybe it will stop. Yeah. And then just like, it didn't. And it just, I was just like, and at one point it's just like in one of our interactions, that it was an episode of verbal abuse. And I was just like, I, I had been kind of pushing it down and pushing it down, just dealing with it. And then uh-huh. I literally exploded. I remember that incident. I was just like, you know what? I want a divorce. And then I just like got my stuff and I left Wait, 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 wait. So you're the one that asked for divorce. Yeah. So what happened that got you to a place where you were like, enough? Like, what was that moment? Well, I think it's like that fight or flight. Like for the whole time it was happening, I was like, or avoiding, right? Like I was avoiding it and I was like, um, pushing it down, I guess. I wasn't Mm -hmm. flying away, (laughs) but I was just like avoiding it. Right. And then that pushing down eventually just kind of exploded in this incident. And that was like the fight. Like I want, I want a divorce, but also flight because I just like left. Right. But then I always thought in my head, I might go back. Like, even though I had said those words and I had left, I thought, well, maybe, you know, people reconcile and maybe this will be the moment where he'll like, okay, I need to, I need to go to therapy and I need to figure this out. But he never really did. And mm-hmm. he never really put in like he I imagine in his mind, he thought he fought for the relationship after the marriage, but I, I didn't feel it. Mm-hmm. And so after we split up, because it didn't he there were still episodes of like sarcasm and passive aggression. And so I just kind of never went back. And then we I mean, we had talks and stuff, but I just never returned to the marriage. And I just realized that I wanted not only more for myself, but I wanted kids. So I thought if I'm going to have children, like there's no way I would ever want them to be spoken to like that from their Mm -hmm. father. Yeah. So if I want children, I need to end this marriage and seek out another relationship or whatever that looks like. And also just for me, even if I never had kids or never had another relationship, just it's way better to be alone and feel sane and happy and healthy Versus like in a relationship where someone is making you not only not feel loved, but also like you start hating yourself. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It was great. At the end of the relationship, like I would talk to my best friend and just like the words I was saying about myself were just so untrue. Like what were you saying? So I was saying things like I would be telling her stories and then I would pause. I'd be like, but I'm just like, I'm not good at, I'm not good at talking. I'm not a good communicator. And she, she saw you, she said, Alex, like you're, 
Like I'm, my job is a teacher. I'm an elementary teacher. She's like, you're a teacher. You talk all day. Like you're not a bad communicator. Oh, okay. That's weird. Why am I saying this? Or it'd be things I'd say, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm quite a sensitive person. She's like, you're not, (laughs) you're not, you're not sensitive. Uh, Oh, okay. Isn't it so funny that like, we try to turn it in on ourselves always like to take responsibility for someone else hurting us. We then turn it and twist it and make it about ourselves. Like there's something wrong with ourselves. Did you do that a lot at the end or during the relationship after? So yeah, it was crazy that like, it didn't, it's like, honestly, like it was very traumatic. Obviously I just like pushed it away while it was happening. Mm-hmm. And then it was after the fact I, I like, after we split up, I like had a full year of just a really dark depression. And during that time, it was just like, I was just like saying horrible things to myself. myself. Like no one's going to love you. Cause he also told me that like, it's going to take a very special person to love me again. <laughs> oh, my oh my God. I want to strangle him right now. Yeah, like everybody worse being loved. Like if you're on this planet right now and you're born, you're worth loving. Like, so if yeah. anybody's telling anybody out there that that is the most abusive thing to say to somebody. Yeah. Like it was stuff like that. So like I said, it was a swearing, but it was also things like there's something inherently wrong with you. It's going to take a special person to love you. Like there's something wrong with your family. So it took a long time of like, I believe these things. And Mm -hmm. then it took a while. Like, and so, and then I started saying it to myself, like I have, I, I don't need to plug anything, but I have a book coming out. And in the book, I kind of talk about, like I said, these horrible things to myself, like after we split up, like for a long time. And I, I all of a sudden realized nobody's abusing me, but myself, and yeah. I was doing it. I was that I was the person. Doing it That's so fascinating. After. You just said that. Cause I had a moment like that the other night and I haven't talked about it, but I'm the only, I'm the villain of my story. Mm-hmm. Like I'm the one that speaks to myself the worst than anybody else. And I had this moment at 3 a.m. that I woke up and my subconscious was like, you're a loser. You're a loser. Like you're not good enough. All this stuff. And I literally was telling my brain like, stop, it's not true. But when other people tell you those things, you then start to believe them. Yeah. And I think I wrote once I said something like um, he had said words that planted invisible roots in my mind and they were really hard to pull out. And I think that's what verbal abuse does and other abuse, but like verbal abuse, it like plants these roots and they just, they grab your brain and it's really hard to just pull them out and get them out of there because you're like, well, if they said it, you know, there must be some truth to it, Yeah, but there's not typically there's not. It's usually, well, not usually it's almost always about them. Yeah. Always about them. Not you. Yeah. So you went through this dark, dark place. I mean, how dark did it go for you? So like I've talked about this online, like on social media and my blog, like I went through depression and anxiety and I, I even was in a place like I had suicidal ideation secretly again. Like that was another, that's another secret, but here's another secret. I remember those that year after we split up, we still had the house we were trying to sell and I'd be in that house like alone and I would be coping by drinking like bottle after bottle of wine kind of thing, crying alone. And in those moments, I remember I had 
like I, I thought I'd written in my journal, like, I just want to like melt into the ground. Things like, like, I felt like I wanted to just to die, like disappear. And, yeah. Yeah. Disappear. And I would, I would sit there on the floor and I would like empty pill bottles. That's how I decided I would do it. And like, every time I thought, okay, this is, the, this is the time I never did mm-hmm. because I didn't want to die. I realized what I wanted was to be free of what was going on in my mind. But at the time I was suffering depression. So I couldn't logic that out at the time. No, you can't. And that's the thing. I mean, I write about it in the book too. I love that you have a book coming out and and telling your story, but it's like, I write about all these moments. You think about your death and you're like, what is it going to be like? People are going to do this. Like I even at the beginning of my recovery, I, I talk about like, I wish I wanted to just drive my car into the middle of the, the median just because I didn't want to feel this pain anymore. And you don't know what to do with it. And the only thing I can say, and I think that's what you're saying is you have to walk through it. You have to walk through that pain. You have to, otherwise it will continue to haunt you. Like as long as you don't face it. And I don't know. I mean, if you can do it by yourself, great, great. (laughs) I don't know anybody that can do it by themselves because you can't, you can't fix your brain when your brain is what's sick. Yeah. I needed therapy. Like I needed therapy. I didn't need pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. I, that was like something we talked about, but I decided in the moment, like because an uh, event and experience created this, I thought like I can work through it in different ways mm-hmm. because I hadn't been suffering. Like arguably I hadn't had a chemical imbalance my whole life. So I was like, well, I'm going to try. And then that was always an option to yeah. use SSRIs, but I never had to, which is, I'm thankful I didn't have to, but I would have, if it had continued or if I had continued to have like those intrusive thoughts and, but yeah, I just going through all that, I realized how traumatic verbal abuse really was because a lot of the trauma was from the divorce, but a lot of it was from this abuse that. Oh, I think a hundred percent. It's those invisible cuts those invisible emotional cuts. I always think those are the hardest ones to like, like you said, rip out the root. Like if someone hits you, you see the bruise, but if someone verbally abuses you, you can't see it. You can't say, see right here when he said this, it, it made this mark on my soul or my face. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. And I know this is going to sound crazy, but I, and I don't, I'm sorry. I don't like that word, but kind of nutty. <laughs> nutty <remember>. She's nutty. <laughs> I don't mind the word crazy people at okay. all. <laughs> I've had people that like, I've used it before in reference to myself and they got offended. So I don't want to offend anybody. Oh, but. we will. We <laughs> offend people here all the time and it's okay. We're all in this together. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, but at the end of the relationship, I had wished that he had hit me because then I'd have a bruise to like show as evidence why I had to leave so fast from my yeah. marriage. And even during the marriage, there was moments where I was like, I wish she would just hit me because then I could be like, here's the bruise. Like now you can see, you would for sure be like, oh, good, good. I'm glad you left. And, but verbal abuse, like some people, they have a different, I guess, level of tolerance of it too. Like some people be like, oh, he calls you a bitch. Like that's not a big deal. Like, whatever, like deal with it. Where other people would be like, that's horrible. So Whereas like physical abuse is very like, I think cut and dry people are like, no leave. Yeah. So this I had wished, which is, that's why I say it's crazy. Like I wish he had hit me, but at least then I'd have something to show 
everything no. on the show is invisible. These invisible I've actually wounds. said that too. I've said that even with friendships, because let's talk about friendships for a minute, which we, we never thought we were going to discuss, but I just like even friendships, sometimes people abuse you or are passive aggressive, like you said, and at moments, even with friendships. And I was like, I wish they just do something physical so I could like get enough to like work up the courage to leave. Yeah. It's like, no, you should leave anyways. They're horrible people. Like they're (laughs) abusive, but it's hard. And friendships can sometimes be the hardest thing to break away from. Oh, those are the worst. Right. Because they're worse than than divorces. Friendship breakups are horrible. They are the worst pain I've ever been in. And you will never be friends again. Like even with a divorce or a breakup, like maybe one day you'll get back together, but likely not. But (laughs) with a friendship, if you break up a friendship, you're probably done because it's pretty extreme because people don't break up they just sort of like phase each other out or yeah there's friendship breakups I was just talking about the other day about uh, to someone who has a friend that is arguably not treating them right like being very passive aggressive and just saying rude things and I Mm -hmm. said like you know you wouldn't tolerate it from your family you wouldn't tolerate from your boyfriend so why are you tolerating it from your friend like I think you need to establish a boundary with your friend and talk to this person and hopefully they'll respond and realize, oh, like, oh, my God, I'm being awful. And if they don't, then that's your evidence that you shouldn't be friends. Yeah, I 100 percent agree. And that's what I think doing all this work for me is it's like every relationship. It's just not about sex and love. It's literally every relationship. Oh, for sure. Because a friendship can really like if they're not treating you, that can be that can just be awful. Oh, it's just as bad. I I believe it's just as bad. Now you said you are now with someone, right? So how (laughs) was that? How is going, obviously you've done the work. So that's the first thing you got to do the work afterwards because you'll take it into the next relationship. You'll bring that baggage, correct? Yes. And arguably before we met, I should have done a bit more work. Like I had done a lot of work and I thought I was totally healed. And then when we had these conflicts, I realized, well, maybe there's a little bit more work to do. Oh my God. That's so funny. I've literally done 12 years of intense work and I still get triggered by my husband. I'm like, Hmm, there's another layer that I have to work on. (laughs) So, um, but it's been good. Like he's a DRSA himself. So he understands that experience. And it's kind of funny. I I'm kind of happy. I ended up with someone who also went through that Mm -hmm. because we can kind of understand if stuff comes up, we can talk about it. And yeah. neither one of us is going to be like, oh, you're not over it. No, no. It's just this really crazy thing, extreme thing happened in both of our past. So we can kind of understand that. So he's he's super understanding. And sometimes if we do, if I do have like a trigger and I like overreact, I'll talk to him after it's done. And the next day I'm like, I'm really sorry. And he'll be like, no, I understand. It's okay. And so he's he's so understanding. And so he's kind of, yeah, it's, it's, he's a great guy to be with. For me, for sure. Yeah, but he doesn't fix it. That's the thing. You have to do it. You can't get into a good relationship because you won't know how to handle it because those that trauma comes up. And one of the things we say is we tell each other like, okay, I'm getting really triggered. I don't know why right now. So I'm going to walk away and let's just put this on the table. Like, that's what we say. We're like, time out. Something that's else. so good. I should use that. Or we use that word mistletoe, like mistletoe. No more. I love that. You know, like it really does because there's something about 
you're going to get triggered. You're going to get triggered with your partner about family stuff, about things you haven't dealt with your family, your friends, past relationships. And it's like, you have to have that pause. Yeah. And he's so good too. Like I've had, I, I didn't have, I guess, many serious relationships after my marriage. He was Mm -hmm. probably the most serious, but I had like little things going on relationships with people. And one of them, this guy would say like, when, if anything ever came up and not even that much, but anything, Mm -hmm. he would like refer to my ex husband as like a scumbag. And so he, so that also was not a healthy response and it didn't help. It definitely didn't help because I was the one that married the scumbag. But then you feel bad. You're like, well, I left him at some point. Like that's not. And so with my now partner, he definitely like, he never, even if I'm, you know, talking about these things that happen, he'll never take aim at him, which I appreciate. It's more just like the, the things that happen and how I'm feeling and how I'm healing and stuff. Not nothing about him really calling him names. Cause that's just a bad, I think. Oh, I love that because part of me wanted to call him a scumbag <laughs> a couple of times. I'm like, what an asshole. Like, you know what I mean? I like I wanted to say, you can't. I actually, I think I write about that too. In my book, I say, I'm allowed to call him a scumbag and anybody that I give that privilege to can, but like not some guy I'm dating that yeah. doesn't have the right to say that. <laughs> well, I know you have the blog with, where's mm-hmm. the blog? So people can, if they want to reach out to you, if they're going through a similar thing, like where can they reach you? Yeah. So you can find me at, uh, the splendid path. So www.thesplendidpath.com. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also pretty present on Instagram at the Alexandra Eva May. Yay. And one last question I have, if anybody out there is listening and they are in this type of relationship or feel like they are, they're not sure what would be your advice for them? Like, recognizing it, like what would you wish you would have done? So I think if you feel like you're in that that type of relationship, you might be keeping it all to yourself, which does a lot of people do. I think the first step is to book therapy with a professional. Uh, You can do that now with the pandemic. There's so many people online. You could do it online. You could do it through an app even, um, or in person. I think some people are doing that, but book a therapy appointment to, to try to work through it with the professional. Mm-hmm. So that would be number one. Um, and then number two, I think realize that their behavior is not about you. It is about them. It is about how they handle whatever they're handling. It is completely about them. And what they're saying is not true. It's not true. It's a way to kind of take you down to make you feel as bad as they're probably feeling. It's a way to like erode your self-confidence and it's not true. And you don't deserve that. And it would be better and healthier to be alone than to stay in this relationship or even seek out another one. Like it's healthier just to be alone and mm-hmm. not be abused than to be with anybody. So yeah. if you're scared of being alone, like it's tough, it can be tough to be alone, but it's so much better. And I was so much happier, even when I was going through grief and I was like, I was so much ha- happier because I was away from like trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I also just had this thought, even writing it down, 
Like, yeah. you know, you have a communication with something and it just doesn't feel right in your stomach. And you're like, Ooh, that hurt. Or I felt something writing it down. Say I felt this way when he said this, or she said this. And it's like, when you start writing it down, it's almost making it like, so you can look back and go, Oh, then this happened. Then he called me a bitch. And then he was saying how ugly my dress is and no one would love me. I don't know. I'm just spitballing, yeah. but there's something about writing it down. Oh, for sure. I think that, no, that's actually what I did. That's a good point. I need like a lick. <laughs> exactly. Look at me. I'm like all proud of myself, people. You can't see me, but I just smiled. Like I was that's like, so good. yeah, <laughs> I need like a list. You're yeah. great. I need a list. Cause I was trying to make heads and tails of it. And so I need a whole list. And once I, and that actually after we split up because I was thinking of going back, which I made this list and it was like crazy long. And yeah. I was like, why would I go back to this? And so maybe, yeah, you're right. Writing it down, making a list and you can actually have a full scope of like all that's happened. Yeah. And write a list right after it happens. Like this just happened because there's something about we our minds can twist and manipulate ourselves. And when it's written down, you can't twist that because it's written down that it (laughs) happened. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yes, oh, 100%, I'm I agree. so glad you reached out to me. I'm so glad we <laughs> talked about this. Honestly, I think people need to discuss this more because it's, I think people use verbal abuse all the time and it's an epidemic and it's not okay anymore. So thank you so much for reaching out to me. Honestly, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fantastic. And yeah, like you said, it's, it, I agree. It's an epidemic and it starts with a young girl, like girls in teenage relationships. Yeah. So yeah. it should be talked about more. Oh, well, thank you. And if you want to be on the show, please email me at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Until next time. Thanks again for listening to the show. Please subscribe, rate, share, or send me a note at secretlifepodcast.com. And if you like to check out my book, head over to secretlifenovel.com or Amazon to pick up a copy for yourself or someone you love. Thanks again. See you soon.